This is Ashton Marcus, and I'm on location at the Laguna Playhouse for their presentation of I'm Still Getting My Act Together and Taking It on the Road. Hi, my name is Ashton Marcus. I'm with KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and I'm with Rex Smith. Right here, live and, yeah, right here with you. Just out of the theater. It's like a fresh-baked cinnamon roll. I'm still warm from the performance. Great. And could I get a brief bio of you? Well, uh, okay, let me just, uh, I've, uh, in a 40-year career, I've been a hard rocker, teen idol, superhero, primetime, daytime, Broadway movie star. How's that for Tartars? <laughs> I'm the original Daredevil. That's very good. Actually, I was going to bring that up, okay, too. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> just one of the actually, superheroes. One of my... Do you remember Jesse Mock? Yeah, it's Streethawk. That was just, I was just about to get to Jesse Mock. So it's been, uh, it is, I have been really fortunate that you could not replicate, I wish that you could, but it would be impossible, nearly impossible to replicate six Broadway shows, six albums, Columbia Records, a gold and a platinum, and six national tours, uh, host solid gold music shows, star on As the World Turns, Be the Daredevil, Be the Streethawk, the uh, Pirates Penzance, the major motion picture of that, and uh, and a grandfather to boot, and five kids, a couple of ex-wives though. But you know, you got to pay the got to pay the fiddler. That's right. Basically, a forty-year career. That's amazing. Because actually, when I saw you here, I realized who you were, and then I was, oh my God, I'm here with with such a legend. I'm a, I'm a legend in my own mind. No, but I'm you know I'm fortunate enough that this show is a fascinating show and it is a historic show uh, of the you know getting my act together, um, and also I'm fortunate enough to be doing my one-man show, Confessions of a Teen Idol, which uh, in the middle of rehe- technical rehearsal, which is the very important time, I missed three days because I had to fly to New York and do my show at 54 Studio 54 below. And uh, it was my third time there this year, so I'm enjoying some success with that show. It really is an interesting, I've taken all the video from all my career, from the Teen Idol newsreels to the Daredevil to the Street Hawk to the Broadway B-roll, everything, and I take you on a journey from 1976 when I signed to Columbia Records all the way to today. So, Okay, great. Now, uh, with your part here in uh, I'm Still Getting My Act Together, yeah. um, who do you play? Joe. I play Joe. I'm the manager of the band, of Gretchen, actually, and, and her band. And... The first act is the original production that, that was really a pathfinder and a breakthrough women's feminist sort of thing. I really believe this. Without Gretchen's original show that ran over like 2,500 shows off Broadway in New York in the 70s, um, there wouldn't be uh, Defending the Caveman or Nonsense or whatever. She really created a new genre. And so we do the historic first act is the original play. And I play Joe... And then in the second act, it's a brand new, there's a world premiere of the second act. So it's sort of a half credit I get. And Gretchen's playing 30, uh, 30 years later, and I'm playing Joe 30 years later. So I get to play Joe at 35 and Joe at 65. Quick question. Why didn't you do any singing in this one? Because you're actually f- very famous as a singer on Broadway. Yeah, school is never out. But showbiz, that's what you know, my oldest son said. Dad, that's the thing that's interesting about what you do. You never know what's next. And, you know, I- I'm kind of proud that I'm just strictly here for my acting chops, you know. I'm, I'm really a character actor stuck inside a leading man's body. And this is a real great character part. Yeah, that's another thing I remembered from your earlier days because a lot of people don't even know you were singing when you were doing, say, Street Hawk or when you were doing Daredevil. 
That's correct. I, those were about the only things that I wasn't, at least holding a ukulele in my hand, okay? I probably sung more than I've spoken. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, all right? So now you're going to speak to Gretchen, and Gretchen is going to take you on a journey that only she can describe, and now let's turn it over to Gretchen. Once again, first of all, when when's your uh, one-man show going to be on October again? 25th at uh, 7.30, I would believe. 7.30. On, is it 7.30? Yeah. Would you? 7.30 on October 25th at the Laguna Playhouse. Come down and take the journey with me. Okay. Now take a journey with Gretchen. Thank you very much for being on the show. Hi, my name is Ashton Marcus. I'm with KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and I'm with Gretchen Cryer. I've got a show at the Laguna Playhouse. It's called Still Get. I'm still getting my act together and taking it on the road. Um, I wrote it, I directed it, and I'm in it along with a fabulous cast from around here. Uh, it's a combination of an old show that Nancy Ford and I wrote in 1978 that was called I'm Getting My Act Together. This is the, the that is Act One. Act Two is the sequel. Thirty years later. Same characters. I play in the sequel. I'm the older version, and the younger version of my character is Erica Hanrahan Ball, and she is fantastic. And so we've got a young cast, and they age up to be 30 years older. Except for me, I'm the legitimate older person in the thing, in the cast. Well, the particular theme about this, uh, the, the theme of feminism, does that strike yeah. a chord with you? Is it something you really want to communicate about? Well, sure. Back in the 70s. When I wrote the show, the book and lyrics of the show, it was very much a personal statement. It was not meant to be a political statement. It truly was a personal thing, but it got interpreted as that it was a feminist musical. It's very interesting because it was, it, it was meant to be a personal story, and it got labeled a feminist thing and then it kind of got picked up and, you know, and various women's groups and stuff brought all the friends. It ended up running for three years or so as a feminist musical, but we never set out to write a feminist musical. I was just interested in writing something about women who had grown up with a 50s sensibility of, of the certain set of expectations for women and then all of that was changing you know of women were breaking the mold and men were totally confused about what was going on and I decided I wanted to write about that. I, I actually look back because theater is actually changing even right now. That mm -hmm. uh, bef I would say maybe 10 years ago, it was hard for a woman to find a real serious role in theater. Mm -hmm. But things have changed around that now. Every single, almost every single role I see now, every woman is a strong character now. Hmm, that's very interesting. I know for a long while, uh, actresses were lamenting the fact that there weren't a lot of good roles for them. Well, when we did this show 30 years ago in New York, we had a series of women who replaced me in it. And then in L.A., it played for a year in L.A. out here, too, in the early 80s, 81, I think. And, uh, and there were a series of women. Uh, women were hungry at that time for good, strong roles. So maybe that has changed now. Maybe there are more, more good, strong roles for women. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's changed like in five years. It's really? that. It, hmm. I mean, if you go to the theater now, every woman you see, they're very confident, they're very strong, and mm -hmm. they're not. Well, I mean, there's there is still a physical problem that you know, people are attracted to physical women, mm -hmm. you know, women who are very attractive. Mm -hmm. So there'll always be that problem. But at least now the characters are actually more. They're they're more independent. Mm -hmm. the, That's you know, interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. So basically, th- what do you think happened throughout the entire uh, movement uh, for the feminist movement? I remember in the '60s, where basically it was a it was there was a sexual revolution that helped mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During the '80s, I remember there was this revolution where women were actually starting to become something like the first governor, first mm-hmm. astronaut ever. First, that was well, in the '80s, and even now they're starting to turn around. It's taking this, it's taking this long now. <laughs> I know. What do you think about that? Well, to begin with, when uh, one of the songs in this piece says, "Back in the '50s, uh, girls married young with very few choices in life: be a secretary, teacher, or nurse. But first on the list, be a wife." That's one of the lyrics, and that was the case when I was in college. You were going to either be a secretary, nurse teacher or wife. Those were the options. No women in my college in Indiana ever thought of being a CEO, a lawyer, or a doctor. That was not not thought of even and that is that is quite different now because we have lots of women who are doctors and lawyers and CEOs. Yeah. One of my biggest problems is now the theater has changed very recently is that no one is seeing theater? Well, not as many people are seeing theater, say, as in London or England. Oh, yeah. where everyone mm-hmm. just sees theater here. Uh, mm-hmm. We're actually living in uh, Los Angeles, where 20% of all theater actors live. Mm-hmm. And again, our attendance isn't that great. There's so, still really? some people in LA mm-hmm. who've never seen theater in their entire life. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, it's not the, re- the the reason is not because of the material. Because mm-hmm. the material like yours, this is mm-hmm. outstanding material. It's very entertaining. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. I actually think the problem is people like me. The, the reporters, the journalists, somehow we're not communicating it out to the audience. What do you think about that? Why do you, you don't think that uh, people are going to the theater at the rate that they're going to the movies? Well, I don't know because the live experience is unique. And when you go to see a show, you're seeing a one-time event. That show will not be exactly the same the next night. And you're sitting there with a bunch of people. It's a communal experience. And I would think that people would be hungry for a communal experience because so much of our experience these days is online. You know, we are getting more and more removed from the actual person-to-person kind of stuff. Well, the theater is the same, you know, that is one of the holdouts where we still have, it's very person-to-person, it's it's live on the spot. I don't know, I mean, I, I feel that theater is very valuable because of that, because of the communal nature of it. Um, I, I don't know, out here in LA, of course, it's different from New York because everybody has to go around in a car all the time, and you are, uh, and it's hard to get to the theater probably. You got to think about parking and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, okay, yeah. Uh, another question is uh, a lot of people who listen to my show are, are community theater actors or their students. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, is there any kind of advice you can give them to help them along with their acting career? With acting careers? With their acting career, you know, their, their career. Well, I would say as much as possible to find a theatrical home that is a theater, a group of people that they love to work with. I know as if they are thinking of being writers, that's very important to find a theatrical home. Even if it's, if it's just a little bunch, you know, a local theater group, because then you can really be getting your work on and to get associated with a community of of um, professional theater people is really important. And so the more actors can, um, I don't know, make connections in these, in theaters, no matter where they are, doesn't matter how big, but you know, you start, uh, you know, developing people who want to work with you, you know, you can't just stay at home. (laughs) 
one more question. I believe you have an act. Your son's an actor also? Yes, Johnny Cryer. John Cryer. Yeah, he had a TV show, Two and a Half Men. He and Charlie Sheen co-starred in that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one question I always ask is also because Orange County, there's a lot of kid actors around, or parents who want their, uh, their kids to be actors. So my question is, what kind of advice can you give to those parents? How do you raise an artist? Well, in my case, Johnny was around when I was doing theater in New York, so he was just around in the theater all the time. And he started very young, ushering at a little theater right down the street from us in New York, in Manhattan. And then by the time he was 11 or 12, he wanted to go to a theater camp. There was one in upstate New York called Stage Door Manor, and it was fantastic. Kids from age, I think, 11 to 18 there, and they really learned the craft there. And I would say for parents, if their kids show an interest and they want to do it, to do that thing, it's a summertime camp, you know, to send them to a theater camp where they will be with other kids, but they'll be with professionals who are working with the kids. And that gave Johnny an incredible background. Um, and then, interestingly enough, he got his first professional job when he was just 18 years old. Um, he replaced Matthew Broderick in Torch Song Trilogy and um, Brighton Beach Memoirs in New York, and then he got his first movie. And so he never ended up going to college because right away he started working right out of high school. But it was because he, it was a combination of his being around the theater through me and his dad, who's now my ex-husband, uh, but Johnny was around the theater a lot. Then he went to the, that summer camp, and that made a huge difference for him. And then he started auditioning, and then he had the luck to look like Matthew Broderick, and that's how he got to replace Matthew Broderick in those shows. So there was a, you know, a spot of luck there involved as well. Did it help with the fact that you were in the business? I mean, you're not Probably like... Probably, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, because um, I had a manager, Marty Tudor, and Marty took Johnny on early on and actually was Johnny's manager for many years, maybe 20 years, through many of Johnny's movies that he made, and he did about four or five TV series before he got Two and a Half Men. Okay, well... Uh, Great. Uh, well, I don't want this whole thing to be about your son and all that, but I, I must tell you that I did enjoy your performance and all that. Thank I, you. It was more than also, more than just enjoyed. Also, it it, it actually educated me also because oh, really? the biggest problem I also have is uh, working in a theater is a lot of the woman shows. I can't. I'm not a woman. I, I sometimes I can't mm -hmm, get it. Mm -hmm. This one I really got. I really you liked did. It. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm really glad to hear that because the show isn't just for women. You know, I mean, I, a lot of men have told me they connect with it as well and and it's funny you know it's a it's entertaining uh, I guess women do really it does really resonate with women though who are um, many women who are older single women but it, it had you know the show had to do with the changing roles between men and women and many women have gone through that and are still dealing with uh, maybe the difficulties of being a woman in business or, you know, uh, there still is a certain difficulty and bias in that. But this is a funny show, you know, I mean, this is not, um, uh, it, we're, it's looking at the whole situation in a very humorous way. Yeah, it was humorous, but again, it, it's not slapstick, it's not no, fluff, oh, no, it actually no, no, is a very no. serious topic. Yeah, though. yeah, it is a serious topic.
Yeah. Okay. Well, I love the performance, and thank you very much for being on the show. Okay. Thank you. It's lovely talking to you. I'm still getting my act together and taking it on the road. We'll be playing at the Laguna Playhouse from October 7th to November 1st. For more information, go to www.lagunaplayhouse.com or theorangecurtainrev.com. <laughs>